Everton is a club where it gets into your blood. Yeah. Uh, and you ask any player from outside of Liverpool who's played for Everton and gone back, they'll say, yeah, it's, it's in your blood. And you, you have an, an affinity, association with, with the fans. I'm a Brummie, yeah. born and bred. Uh, and obviously, you know, that's where my, my, my soul is, is with Birmingham. But uh, if people ask me, my heart is with Everton, my soul is with Birmingham. Uh, and they, they, they are unique. Back in the 1970s, Evertonians didn't have a great deal to cheer about, but we did have Bob Latchford, and 2023 marks the 45th anniversary of his never-to-be-forgotten season of 1977-78, when he upset the odds to score 30 league goals and land a 10 grand prize on offer from a national newspaper. Welcome to the latest official Everton podcast, and in this episode, we are celebrating the man who we all believed could walk on water. Away comes Hamilton for Everton. Well, they can build an attack, and they won't have time to do much else. Well, this is dangerous. Here's Rashford right through now. Forever to the chip, and it's there. Equaliser. Last seconds of the game, and Spurs have been pulled right back from 3-1 to 3-3. I'm Danny Griffiths, and I'm joined by Dave Prentice and Gavin Buckland. Dave, your favourite subject. Uh, <laughs> like I said earlier, I'm going away in June. <laughs> but we'll have a meander through the Bob Latford story and see how we get on. Now, 1977-78, the most Bob had scored league goals in a single season before then was 17. Yeah. So you can see why he wasn't exactly the bookies' favourites to, to yeah, land yeah. the prize. But there was one significant addition uh, to the Everton squad that summer, which uh, helped him enormously, and that was the signing of Dave Thomas. Uh, made a couple of signings last summer to be fair Georgie Wood as well but Dave Thomas came from QPR and he was just what you would call an old fashioned winger um, very you know so always wore those socks around by his ankles which was quite distinctive uh, but he was very direct uh, you would get the ball you would head for the, uh, the you know the touchline and he would ping, ping crosses him um, on the run on the run incredibly accurately there was actually a chance at the time whenever we got a corner uh, it's a goal it's a goal it's a goal goal, goal because his corner <laughs> kicking was like so precise and you know Bob just absolutely made hay you know so took advantage of this incredible service he was getting from the flanks and yet went off like a, a train and you know so certainly by I think December January time people are thinking oh you know he could get this 30 league goals yeah. it was it was uh, I think the hatch against Coventry which we'll talk about later is where everyone thought wow you know so yeah this is going to be some season this and it was I think two of the goals that they were created by Dave Thomas it was it was a, a big addition and we didn't take penalties Gav but he didn't like taking penalties he said a number of reasons he said that mm-hmm. one he was rubbish at them but I can't remember him he believed that uh, it should be shared around uh, you know goals and also mm-hmm. that you know that he didn't rank them as a goal, which is which is interesting. As we say, he did he did take a couple, but yeah, he was saying, um, yeah, that was his, his his best season, wasn't it? Really, I think he wasn't even in the betting. By the way, <laughs> in the favourite, I think Malcolm McDonald was the favourite, but there's, they had like seven strikers he'd expected to be in with it, and Bob wasn't even listed. Wow. You know, Tony Fans has got twenty five, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and it was obviously there. The, you know, it was a background. The ten grand prize was there. It was up by a national newspaper. Nobody scored thirty goals in a season since Francis Lee yeah. in nineteen seventy one, seventy two. Talk about penalties. Franny got thirty yeah. in that season. <laughs> yeah. So, in terms of goals from open play, you know, thirty goals, you know, twenty five goals in a season is fantastic at the time. So, 
Yeah, it was. Bob was not even in the bet, which is which is strange if you think about it. And after he had the slow start that season, yes. I think he took was it five games to yeah. score something mm. like that. And then he went on this this great run, as as Peno said, um, you know, from September onwards, right through to Christmas. And yeah, it was it, the, the the Coventry game was was fantastic. I think Dave's. I think Dave was really well suited to uh, Bob because. They didn't cross the ball deep, did he? He tend to do low skimmers, and Bob's great strength was the, the diving near post header, wasn't yeah. it? And I think Dave, you know, that was his archetypal goal for me, really, that well, diving header at the near, near post. Near post diving headers, of which you can pick out so many. That season, a couple of QPR, the famous one against West Ham in the FA Cup semi final. But remember years later, uh, when Joe Royal was Everton manager, actually getting a video of Bob Latchford goals and sitting Duncan Ferguson and Paul Rideout down and saying, Watch how this man gets in front of the defender. Watch wow. how he gets in front of him. That's how you score goals in the near post. And so even 10 years later, Bob was being hailed as uh, you know, so an emblem of how to get across defenders and score goals. But yeah, that was his, uh, his photo fit goal, that one. Apart from the obvious, the, the last game against Chelsea, I take it that the hat-trick against Coventry is your... your abiding memory of that? Yeah, or possibly the QPR game away when he scored four, although he later admitted... About 20 years later, yeah. one of them was an own goal after he claimed it. But yeah, that Coventry game, because Coventry, I think, were third and we were second in the table at the time. And, uh, you know, it was a very, very close thing. We're thinking, wow, this could be a, you know, it's a, a shootout to decide, you know, so who challenges Forrest at the top. And we just, I say we blitzed them, you know, finished 6 0. But it was a close game for like, you know, certainly 45 minutes. You know, so Coventry went close a few times, played a really wide open, expansive game. Then he played 4 2 4 back then. Uh, a couple of wingers, Tommy Hutchison and Donato Nardiello, and it was it was like really an exciting team to watch, but wide open, and we were just ruthless with our finishing. I mean, um, like I say, Bob got a hat trick, and the last goal. I always remember the uh, the commentary the following day on uh, the Sunday lunchtime. Jealous since that, and it was just you know, so, oh what a goal! And it was it was just it was a wonderful sweeping move down the left, Pedrick to Dobson to Thomas. On the run, as you said earlier, lovely first time cross, and it was just an instinctive left footed volley, great finish. And he went and celebrated with Gordon Leach, you know, I don't know quite, quite <laughs> why, but it was, it was, you know, finished 6 0, 43,000 inside the ground that day, and it was, it was, it was a wonderful afternoon. Let's enjoy those three Bob Latchford goals against Coventry City. Lions, Latchford free, and it's a goal. Thomas takes the free kick, and there's a goal. Latchford again. Dobson Thomas acres of space for him two men to cross to Latchford what a glorious goal terrific afternoon at Loftus Road when he got those four goals as well Gov oh yeah yeah that was I think I think Brymo got bored then he was coming to the but Latchford not another one yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that was I think the best thing about 77 we were talking about this last week it'd been as you said that at the start not the, the most successful of decade for Everton that we won the title in 70 and I know we come fourth in 74-5 but that season just stands out a mile doesn't it in, in that, that decade and I think there's quite a lot of people now we were talking about this last week who are probably just at the right age at the right time you know sort of started going the game in the teenage, teenage years not seeing success and that was their first glimpse of something like success or you know some great football on well, the pitch if, and I think that's why it stands out that season absolutely. if you're not going to be successful be entertaining um, we scored 76 league goals our season the highest mm. scorers in the top division you know so far more than the champions Nottingham Forest and so okay didn't win a title qualified for Europe but entertained you know they were a great team to watch it's not just pure Everton we have a 
Good season, we scored plenty of goals, and Nottingham Forest come from absolutely <laughs> nowhere and storm the title. Well, I remember talking at school about that because you know, all, I used to get so much stick all the time at school, you know, so for being an Everton fan at the time, Liverpool were dominating everything. And uh, I was confidently telling everybody, yeah, Forest will blow up, they'll blow up, they're going to get promoted last season, of course they're going to blow up. And they didn't, they just remorselessly <laughs> yeah. around everyone. They were a great side, but we never realised it, maybe at that time. We'll move on to uh, his earlier career, but first of all, let's just enjoy those four goals at Loftus Road. Now, King. Beautifully weighted there for Andy King. Pearson's coming up in there. Latchford's in there too. And that's a good goal for Everton. Sending Dave Thomas on his way now. This could be more trouble for Rangers. Latchford in the middle and David Jones has come up as well. Latchford with the header. Oh, a beautiful goal. A second one for Latchford and a second for Everton. Chipping it now to the far side. Andy King coming in. And Latchford has got his hat-trick. Now Latchford, not his fourth goal, surely. Yes! And the fifth for Everton. Well, it's a riot. Uh, Birmingham City, Gav, he's still revered by the Birmingham City fans. You're, you've, you've forensically looked into that sort of era for Everton. Yeah. Was Bob ever linked with Everton before he came in Oh 74? yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's when I did my book on Everton in, in the 70s, I was uh, surprised to discover that John Moore was Everton chairman at the time and, and Harry Catter were both massive fans. Harry had several conversations with Birmingham about bringing them to, to Goodison. This would be two years before we actually signed them. Yeah. Ben Birmingham in the second division, not in the first division, in the second division because they came up in 72. And John Moore's um, in the seven, Boxing Day 72, Birmingham played here. And John Moore spoke to the, the Birmingham chairman, Cliff Coombs, and said, you know, you know, money's no object, you know, what do you want? Cliff Coombs said, well, obviously, if the Littlewoods connection said, I'll have a couple of your mail order businesses <laughs> and one of your stores for Bob. You know, I, think, I, think, I think most thought, well, I can give you cash, but I can't give you yeah. some of your business. Well, that just shows you how he highly regarded he was mm. at Birmingham, and Harry Catterick loved him. Is this know? when we sort of went for Joe Harper? Yeah, yeah, it'd be just around that time. And um, Harry Catterick was a massive fan. He spoke to a, a journalist called John Moxley, who was from the Midlands after Harry left in. This would be just after he left in 73. And he said, oh, How's the big fella doing at Birmingham? And John Moxley thought he was talking about Trevor Francis. He said, Trevor Francis is doing really well. And he says, No, I'm not talking about Trevor Francis. You know, he's the cherry, Bob is the cake. Yeah. You know, and Harry, Harry was a massive fan. And I think when we signed him, we obviously signed him in February 74, um, Bingham said afterwards that he, he felt that there was bordering pressure to sign him, and I think that had obviously come from Moores, because mm. Moores was a massive fan. And there's that great story, isn't it, after he agreed to sign that? Um, Roger Hind, who was playing for Birmingham, yeah. at the time he was, Bill Shankly was his uncle, wasn't he? And uh, Roger Hind turned up at Bob's house and said, you know, you know, if you signed yeah, because Bill wants you to Liverpool, and Bob said, I've, I've signed, it's all right. And Bob said quite quite reasonably that, um, you know, if Bill wanted me, he would have gone for me, you yeah. know, earlier yeah. on. So, you know, Liverpool's loss was, was Everton's game, gain, really. Because Bob was a lot more than goals, wasn't he? He was, yeah. he was, he was a, you know, I wouldn't say he was a cult hero, he was just a hero, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, that was his great appeal. I, I always remember when he got his England call up in the mid seventies, and he played alongside Kevin Keegan for quite a while. And Keegan always described him as being one of his favourite striking partners to play alongside because his nickname was the Sponge because you know he would just hold the ball up so yeah. well. Yeah. With his back to goal, he could hold the ball up, bring other people into play. Obviously, he could finish. That was his primary quality. You know, he's a top class finisher. 
uh, all types of different types of goals, but you could bring other people into the game. In a time when target men were very much, you know, so in vogue in English football, you know, a lot of teams played with wingers and a big number nine who was great in the air. And Latchford was that, but he was also so many other things as well. That's a really good point because it is forgotten because Bobber was a big striker. He wasn't. He wouldn't have described as a target man, would he? Really? No. He was. He was more like a modern sense forward, I suppose. You'd say in some respects. And the range of players that he played with in his career, who all developed as a player with him. I mean, I would probably say Duncan McKenzie's best spell as a player was playing with with yeah. Bob Latchford. Mm. You know, he had obviously Trevor Francis at Birmingham. He played really well with Jim Pearson. You know, and then he played. Bob would also play on, on his own as in a four-three-three. So as you say, he, he was he was far more than a goal scorer. He was a lot better footballer than people could give him credit for. And I think one of I think he probably only sort of realised this probably nineteen seventy-six. I think. Himself. He had a chronic lack of confidence in himself. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't the most yeah. confident of players. He, he needed well, to be very, riled. He's still a very shy humble yeah, man, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. He, was, he you know, wasn't easily riled. And, and I remember that Stuart Imlach, who was Evans' coach in the 70s, say, no, he, you know, he, he really had to go at Bob you know, in, 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 at Belfield one day. And Bob ended up getting him around the throat. And, <laughs> and he thought, I was made up. But yeah. Bob, that's what I, yeah. that's what I want yeah. of you. Yeah. But like a lot of players, he did have you know strikers to survive in the seventies. He did have, have a, a nasty streak to him because he needed that. I think he, I think he did Sharpies, but Darren anyway, Graham said he played with Bob on a pre-season yeah. tour of Spain, yeah. and during the game against the Spanish side, this this side one of the centre halves was being like hammering Bob all games, thinking Bob, you're supposed to be hard. He's just taking this. When he came down to breakfast the next morning, the Spanish side was staying in the same hotel and the defender had was on crutches. <laughs> <laughs> Bob had just like done him slightly you know, right at the end. And so he was he was hard, Bob, but he did I think it's I think the the fee weighed him down. If you're British we need to remember yeah, it, British yeah, record absolutely. fee. You come in here. I the, think as well, not yeah. just I mean you know, you've got to, you have to feel sorry for Archie Styles, don't you? Part, part of the mate weight, but not just the fee, not just the a record fee at a time when it didn't get broken every no. couple of months the way it does now. But coming in to re- not replace Howard Kendall, but Howard Kendall going the other way, yeah. who was so popular. And we've just mentioned there that Bob was a quiet guy, he was a shy shy guy, maybe lacked a little bit of confidence, which is astonishing well, yeah. for a goal scorer. But they're massive circumstances. Oh, totally. I mean, what, what Gav says there about the pressure on him was absolutely right. I remember... Uh, when he signed, you know, like you say, for a British record transfer fee, 350,000 and all the elements are put together. And I think um, his debut was at West Ham and Shoot, you know, sort of magazine at the time, actually did a big spread, a big feature on uh, Bob Latchford's debut the following week. And, you know, so how, you know, he failed to score. Uh, we got B4-3, I think it was. But, you know, so he failed to score one of them. And then the papers were absolutely full of it for several, you know, so weeks after that, I think it was Coventry at home. And again, the Echo had like, you know, so pages and pages on when he was finally going to score his first Everton goal. It was only two matches into his career. <laughs> and eventually his first goal was, uh, was a left footer down at Leicester against yeah. Peter Shilton. Uh, you know, so I finally got you know a little bit of weight off his shoulders. But then we had like a bit of a late push for Europe that season, and uh, he scored a couple against Birmingham. Dave Latchford, his brother, who kept goal for Birmingham, he always scored against Dave Latchford, and then a couple against Norwich as well. I think we won four one. And I remember the papers went into overdrive, you know, so about uh, Latchford firing the goals for Europe. So it was so much scrutiny on him as a result of this transfer yeah. fee, and you can understand why, you know, so he felt the pressure and possibly took some time to really flourish properly. Once he started scoring goals, he very rarely had a bad spell, did he? No, no, he, he got dropped 
um, 75, 76 before Christmas by Billy Bingham. That was the first bad spell of his career. He'd come back before Christmas and scored in seven consecutive games, you know. So, yeah, he, he was a very consistent goal scorer. I mean, if you, if you see, really, a lot of the goals he scored, times he scores one goal, he yeah. doesn't really score two, or, you know, he doesn't score yeah, in, yeah. you know, 12 goals in a season or two of them hat-tricks. If Bob, sco- I mean, Bob scores... You know, certainly in the mid seventies, he scored seventeen goal, goals in the season. Be seventeen, you know, seventeen games where he scored one. That was the season seventy seven, seventy eight when that changed. I think he yeah. became a bit more hungrier, he yeah. had a bit more confidence, and all of a sudden, the games where he was scoring one in, he was now scoring two and three. And I think that was the big, big change that season. But yeah, up until up until seventy nine, and and he he was uh, he didn't have a bad spell really, and and it's well worth saying that. I mean, across his tough like career with Birmingham, Everton, and Swansea, he didn't have, he didn't have a bad and spell. No, no. You know, he was the seventy-two to eighty-three. He was the leading scorer in the tough flight by miles. He, I think, got one hundred and sixty goals. Yeah. This is about twenty-five more than, and that's than anybody else. That as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I often think about the nineteen seventy-seven. FA Cup semi-final at Main Road, oh. one of your least favourite games of all time. Yeah. And we were talking about the way Bob could get across defenders and score goals. Would he have been in the position that Brian Hamilton was in when Ronnie Goodless crossed and would he have just put it away and <laughs> left nothing to chance? Wow, yeah, I'd never even thought of that, but yeah, absolutely, that was his his position, you know, so on the edge of the uh, six-yard box near post. Uh, yeah. You never know, do you? You never know. The following season, Dave, after that momentous 77-78, by mid-October, Bob had only scored three league goals, 78-79, and he ended with 11 league goals. He wasn't even our top scorer. Andy King scored 12 league goals. What was that? Was that the season he also scored five against Wimbledon in the League Cup? Yeah. Which was weird because um, Wimbledon were, I think, a fourth division team at the time, and Mickey Walsh had been signed as his strike partner. Gordon Lee didn't fancy Duncan McKenzie, had moved him on, brought in Mickey Walsh, to be, you know, so his his partner, and that never really, you know, so hit it off. But the Everton fans were really patient with Mickey Walsh and really wanted him to succeed. And that game against Wimbledon, he still hadn't scored a goal, and uh, we were coasting, we were well clear, and uh, we get a penalty. And the Gladys were chanting for Mickey Walsh to take it. And Latchford, as you say, had developed this hunger for goals by then. No, he wanted a hat trick, so <laughs> didn't take penalties. He'd taken two the previous season, yeah. first of his career. He took the match, took the ball to uh, complete his hat trick. You know, <laughs> get the match ball. He ended up going on to get five. Martin Dobson got a hat trick. Yeah, Mickey Walsh got none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he missed out. So why didn't he kick on that season? I don't know. Was that the sit when he was starting to become a little bit disaffected with the uh, the management, and he, he had uh, run-ins about how much he was getting paid, and you know, it was uh, yeah. it was on un- 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 clean that that for, Yeah, he did that for a couple of years. He did that with yeah. Billy Bingham, I think, up until he signed a new contract in seventy eight. Sorry, seventy eight. Yeah, I think what happened is. He, at that time, he's enormously reliant on Dave Thomas, and I yeah. think Dave Thomas. We, we we were we were very much a left side the team, yeah. weren't we? And Mick Pedrick, I think, got injured, and they had that like triangle of Dobson, Pedrick, and Dave Thomas. And I think Pedrick got injured, and then we lost we lost some of the effectiveness on the left hand side. And if you see a lot of his goals, they are from the left flank. And yeah. I think that Dave Thomas lost form. I think that supply line side up for Bob. And I think by then. I mean, he'd been there five years, which is quite a long time, and mm-hmm. and um, I think he sort of began to have like a bit of a strained relationship with Gordon, which went on into the following season. But as you say, he still ended up with goals and that that five and against Wimbledon. Wow, I think it's the last. Is that the last five by another player? I think isn't it? It's it's really, yeah, 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 yeah. There's been a few fours. Yeah, yeah. Saha got four. It's yeah. going to be the last time we had two hat tricks. 
Oh, yeah. Game. Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. Plenty of Everton players forward. Oh, that's standing superbly by Latchford. Really, it was driven in on the near post, and Bob Latchford goes to the faithful. He substitutes, as Gary Maxwell, the ginger hair we saw, Joe McBride leaping in the air, Andy King had been substituted, and Bob Latchford has tied it up again at one apiece. It really was stumped across by Billy Wright and spectacularly turned in by Bob Latchford. Strangely enough, when people recall their favourite Bob Latchford goals, the 1980 FA Cup semi-final often gets a mention. Now, it ended in absolute heartache, but for the occasion, yeah. the noise, the atmosphere, is that in your is that in your top few? It, it's oh, absolutely. If, if it's if it's not the top one, it's probably in the top two or three. Possibly the equaliser at Hillsborough in the uh, in the League Cup you know, final replay because of the absolute scenes when that yeah. went in, and that was like one yard out when he just levelled it over the line. But that FA Cup semi final, I, I just thought we were fated to win the cup that year because Latchford had scored. Because he scored in all the previous rounds against Aldershot, against Wrexham, uh, you know, who played in the uh, the, the fifth round. Uh, Wrexham was the fifth round, wasn't it? Wigan. Uh, Wigan, Wigan, of course, yeah. yeah, in the fourth round. So he scored in every round up until the semi, and then he'd been injured uh, for the uh, semi final for the first match at Villa Park. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, that affects our chances of winning the game. But, you know, anyway, one little coasting, Brian Kidd got himself sent off stupidly and uh, goes to a replay because, uh, you know, Stuart Pearson equalised. And that enabled Latchford uh, to have a chance of playing. I don't think he started the, uh, the replay, did he? I think he came on as a sub yeah. uh, because of the injury. And I just thought, when the, the goal went in, you know, remember, the goal itself is absolutely archetypal Latchford yeah. because Billy Rice gets clear down the right-hand side and he leathered it across the box. It wasn't yeah. a cross, it wasn't a dink. He absolutely smashed, it, smashed the pile yeah. driver in. And how Latchford got his head down to it, I've no idea. <laughs> but he did. He managed to angle, you know, sort the ball towards the goal. The goalkeeper never stood an earthly because there was so much pace on the cross. As soon as he got a touch on it, it was going to hit the back of the net. It did. And he jumped onto the, uh, the railings to celebrate. And I just remember, you know, sort of staring at the, uh, the skies, screaming, thinking, yeah, this is fate. Latchford scored. We're going to win the cup. And then obviously Frank Lampard <laughs> shortly afterwards. But yeah, that, that is undoubtedly one of my favourite Latchford moments. It's a shame it was just so short lived, uh, but it was. It was absolutely incredible because it was chaotic scenes that night. Uh, you talk know. about like Bob maybe lacking confidence in himself. I don't know if you remember that Wigan game at Goodison, the Wigan centre half, who won't name, spent most of the game winding Bob up and near the end, I think, yeah. Ed Buss had yeah. when Bob wasn't looking and then. He's in the game, the fellas lying on the floor, and Bob and everybody's not yeah, looking. Yeah. But in front of the TV cameras, you know, puts <laughs> his you know, foot on him, and there, there was a massive fight at the end of the game. And Bob, well, Bob had caused it, I think. Well, uh, remember the following day's papers? Yeah. The, the Wigan defender actually said, I'm not going to name any names here, but I've lost total respect for the Everson centre forward who plays for England. <laughs> 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 and it was obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it was just I think Brian Kidd was involved in that little melee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brian Kidd got sent off, didn't he? Yeah, you but, mentioned Brian Kidd then, you touched on. Peter Easter were, were, were these players brought in to play alongside Bob Gav or were they brought in to usher Bob out because as, as you've mentioned it was a fractious relationship he had with Gordon Lee wasn't it yeah I think possibly Easter um, I think they was just, just wanted the partner to play with Bob and if you think about Peter Easter and Brian Kidd they weren't exactly the same players Brian was more like Bob wasn't he really yeah, yeah. And, but Peter Easter was a really clever player wasn't he he was, he was slightly different and, and yeah he Possibly, but like Graeme Sharp, Bob was a great survivor, wasn't he? They both mm. had about 10, 11 partners 
East Sydney up front, which is a testimony to their quality. So possibly, but Bob still lasted till you know the end of the eighty eighty one season, didn't he? Um, so that was seven years he had, which is which is doing well. In this He's clearly still your idol, always oh, was. Yeah, yeah. But when you're this uh, impressionable schoolboy staying at the Stars, thinking <laughs> Bob Latchford's going to win the FA Cup for us, did you ever meet him? I met him several times, but the first time. He had, he had a gentleman's outfitters on Piercefield Road <laughs> in Formby. Where Tell me you went there. Where he, sold, he sold trendy clothes, so clearly I didn't go. But, uh, you know, sort of tank tops and flared trousers and stuff like that. And back in the era when footballers didn't just attach their name to a business, they actually had a physical involvement in it. Yeah. And so Bob actually served behind the counter on occasions. And I remember I'd gone round there, it must have been about 13 or 14, and uh, I had all my photographs from the goal and from the shoes. Uh, which I had up on my wall at home, which I'd taken down, peeled the blue sack off the back and took them round to get Bob to sign them. And I hovered round outside and I was nervous. You know, so I really was very, very nervous about going into meeting. And he could see me like so hovering outside thinking, what's this kid doing outside? <laughs> so eventually I walked in, you know, so I said hello, introduced myself and he was so gracious, so polite. Yeah, of course, so I started signing him. And to my horror, halfway through, my brother Stephen, who's a red, had been throwing darts at some of my pictures. <laughs> there's one there with dart holes. <laughs> so I'm having to uh, mortify. Oh, sorry about that one, Bob. That's my brother now. And, uh, he, he just smiled inside him. And he saw them, he signed them, oh, Latchford. No, Bob yeah. Latchford. Bob yeah. is a classy guy, so, yeah. oh, Latchford. Oh, yeah. yeah. very signed it, which was great. Well, let's hear now from two of Bob Latchford's 1970s teammates, Martin Dobson, and first of all, Jim Pearson. Oh, yeah, Bob signed just before me um, for 350 grand, and then a certain Martin Dobson signed just after me for 300 grand, so I, I was 100 grand. I just, sneaked, I just sneaked in. No, I just sneaked in. Nobody noticed me. Uh, no, I played a lot of games with Bob. Um, started off up front, I played midfield quite a bit. But, uh, smashing lad, smashing lad. When you played in midfield, what was he like to play ahead of you? He was great. I mean, Bob, let's be honest, outside the box, didn't see much. But as soon as that ball went in the box, he was he was just electric. Mm. For a man with legs that size, I don't know how he can move that quick. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he stole your thunder on that famous night against Wimbledon, Martin, didn't he? Just tell us about that. That's right, yeah. Um, only time I scored a hat-trick here. We won 8-0. <laughs> and um, but the problem was, well, it wasn't a problem. Like scored five. And, it, <laughs> and at the end of the game, quick as a flash, ball under the shirt, like she was off the, off the pitch. So I, I, go, I go over to the referee and say, hey, where's my ball? I'm like a kid, aren't I? Scored a hat-trick. Oh, only one ball, though, but only one ball. And that was it. So it was uh, absolutely ridiculous, but... Fantastic lad was like. He just it. loved scoring goals, didn't he? Yeah, he was. As Jim quite rightly said, that we used to say, "Latch, stay in the eighteen-yard box," because a bit of embarrassment coming outside there, you know, <laughs> twenty-five yards out or whatever. But the relationship that he had with um, Dave Thomas was mm. exceptional. As long as we've kept feeding. You know, the wide positions, and they had this telepathy. It was fantastic, you know, uh, standing up on the far post or getting to near post and cushioned headers and stuff like that. It was it was brilliant, but he was, you know, he loved scoring goals, mm. and that was basically it, and, and we all know uh, that's the main part of the game, Jim. Yeah. Did, I, did, I loved him when he scored goals. <laughs> <laughs> he just had a knack. He had that knack of being in the right place at the right time. You, you can't coach that, Jim, can, or can you? No, no, he's, he's very natural. That's a good a, a good uh, example is Dave Thomas. He got the left wing, and I think he's going to knock it in. Pearson near post, ball back post, Latchford. <laughs> he got the wing. I think I've got it this time. Pearson back post, near post, Latchford, <laughs> two 0 uh, But oh no, 
Great, great in the box. His, his touch in the box was brilliant. Mm. Was he one of those players who just loved to score goals in training as well? Oh, he, he, he didn't work too hard in training, but he likes to. He loves scoring goals. If you like scoring goals, you do, don't yeah. you? But he's, uh, he's a great. We're still in touch. He's living yeah. in Germany now and looks well, doesn't get, he? Well, I did actually. Good looking. <laughs> what's the language? <laughs> uh, I he sent, we sent text to each other and mm. he, just lovely, lovely man. Very quiet. Yeah. I mean, if I'd scored as many goals as him, I'd be unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, he was unlucky, Latch, I think, at international level that there were so many good English strikers about at the time. I mean, his goal record yeah. for England, 5-12, and 12, speaks for itself, but yes. you were a little bit of a victim of, of too much talent yourself. It, it was In the 70s, there was, a, there was an abundance of riches, wasn't there, at an international level for England? Well, I thought with Bob, um, you know, it was Don Revy who came uh, as manager at that time, and he never played under Don. And he was, actually, I think he scored more goals in the top level than yeah. any other English striker, mm. and it was, it was crazy. Why was he not in the side? Yeah, yeah. Whether that was something to do with, they were talking about uh, Revy maybe coming to Goodison as manager at one time, or there was something, uh, you know, not, we're not quite sure, but certainly at that time when he was here scoring all those, all those goals, he deserved to be selected and he wasn't. The 77-78 season will live long in the memory. We didn't have much to cheer at times like that, but for Bob to get 30 league goals and you played in the game here when you yes. got the, the 30th, it was incredible, wasn't it? It was a fantastic game. You know, we had three games before then. Lightshed, I think he got to 28, Jim, did he? Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. And the three games left and he didn't score uh, the, the two previous to that. So it came up to the last game of the season against Chelsea, full house, 40-odd thousand, all wanting to do well. And uh, and the crazy thing was, you know, he didn't score in any of the first three goals. Mm. And we, we got a bit lambasted by the fans because we, <laughs> we thought we were taking the the the, uh, the praise off, off Lightyear because he was always in position correct. But it all boiled down to the last um, penalty. Um, he'd already got one then and uh, we were 5-0 up. Got a penalty, I think Lions, he fell over. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, Probably a right. bit of a nudge by, uh, yeah, the big right. centre off. And uh, and Lightsey comes to me. Why? I've never taken a penalty before. And he says, what do I do? do I? He said, just whack it as hard as you can. Get some pace on it. If the keeper saves it, you might be there for the second. But he drilled it right in the bottom corner so he's been doing it all his no, life. he kicked it. Man. Oh, right. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> he didn't take many penalties, Jim, did he? No, no, no. Which is surprising. For someone who loves scoring goals. Yeah, penalties are strange things. Some like them and some don't. And uh, he never pushed the plate to take them. Tell us about Bob Latchford's Last goal for Everton because, as with most things, Everton, there's a there's a story the, behind. Yeah, there's, there's two goals uh, that are linked, I suppose. The first one is last goal we played at Norwich, I think, in November '81, and got beat two one. And um, of course, played for Norwich that day with Joe Royal, who Joe had started. We started ever when Bob had joined, and they played I think eight or nine games together, and um, they struck up a useful partnership. And, and for the second time in the podcast, going to mention Gerald since that. And Joe later said that um, he blamed Gerald Sinstad for, for splitting <laughs> up the partnership because after the home league game, uh, league cup game against Aston Villa, uh, Sinstad had said on ITV that he didn't see the, the Joe Royal and Bob Blatchford partnership having, having a future. And you think that got into Billy Bingham's head, you yeah. know. And then November 81 got beat 2 1. Bob's last goal for Evans, 138, I think. And Joe also scored for, for, for Norwich that day. But of course, Joe, uh, Bob's last goal at Goodison was for Swansea yeah, if you remember yeah, in December yeah. 1981 one of those rare occasions I think we win the 3-0 and Bob Bob, uh, Bob 
of scores right in front of Radisseys and he cheered and that was the day when Graeme Sharp scored his first goal at Goodison as well wasn't it right, you know so, so there was a nice little link between between those goals and it's happened to Graeme Stewart that as well I remember Graeme Stewart scoring for Charlton and he got a good reception uh, yeah, it's happened. It's happened Stephen, a few times. Stephen Naismith quite recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duncan McKenzie had happened. Duncan McKenzie yeah, for yeah. Chelsea, and uh, you know, so the, the crowd really did go up that day because he was very popular. I mean, Latchford was arguably sold a little too soon uh, because you know he was frustrated. He wanted to make a fresh start somewhere else, and obviously Howard was building his own team, you know, mm-hmm. then so wanted to bring in new players. But Latchford had an outstanding season for Swansea. He scored a hat trick on the opening day of the yeah. season, following season. And uh, Swansea had a great season, full stop. I think Jeremy Charles and Alan Curtis, you know, in a really, you know, inventive forward line. Leighton James was playing for them as well, wasn't he? Leighton James again on the ball, on the set piece. Latchford's headed to goal! So easy! Even the following season, Swansea went down, Bob scored 32 goals. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And I know when Howard was looking for a striker in 83, November 83, when he you know, he signed obviously famously Andy Gray, he seriously looked at Bob as well. You know, as a as a as an option. Because I'm not sure how, how close actually, was that? I think if he'd not signed Andy Gray, he possibly would have gone with, with Bob because he could have got Bob quite cheap. Yeah. And uh, I don't think it's a given that Howard wanted Bob to go in eighty one as well, because he still had a lot of mileage and, yeah, and exactly. In the left, as he proved in the two subsequent seasons. Kevin Ratcliffe, Alan Harper, Phil Jagielka, Matty Pennington. Now, they'll never be mentioned in the same breath on the same day as Bob Latchford when it comes to scoring goals. But they all scored against Liverpool in a Merseyside derby, Preno. Bob Latchford never. That, again, I think that was a psychological thing uh, with Latchford because he'd scored goals for Birmingham against Liverpool. He scored mm. goals for Swansea against Liverpool. Yeah. But Everson, because the derby is so important, it's such a huge game, and because he never scored in his first couple of derbies, I think it became a thing. Kevin Keegan also never scored for Liverpool uh, no. against Everson in, in a derby match. But I remember good opportunities that Latchford had in derbies. One in the famous uh, Andy King derby where he was clean through and he just chipped it into Ray Clements' hands. You think, what are you doing there? And there was one, the T2 draw at Anfield, when um, all kinds went on in that game. It was an incredible match. And I think we might have been 2 1 down at the time, and there was an opportunity for an equaliser uh, up the Annie Road end. And it was at Latchford's feet, and Latchford did it. Latchford, very unlike him, but yeah. like, hesitated. Andy King never hesitated. Andy King just snatched it off his toes and dadded it in. That when Gary Stanley got sent off. It was, yeah. yeah. Tim McDermott got sent off. And Andy King scored three goals against uh, you know, sort of Liverpool yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of in that era. And uh, you know, a time when the Liverpool defence was so miserly, it was untrue. But yeah, I do think that Latchford had a bit of a psychological hang-up about derby matches. Mm. And for whatever reason, never ever looked like scoring a goal. So yeah, he went through his whole Everson career without scoring against Liverpool, but still was idolised in hero worship, yeah. which underlines the measure of the man. Now Brooking, onside. Barnes is on the far side. Wales under a bit of pressure, but England not being able to do it right quite. There they have Bob Latchford. 1-0 to England, nine minutes gone. Here's Peter Barnes doing the thing that Jack Carlton likes him to do. A lovely little flick, though, for Keegan. And a good cross by Keegan to the far side. And the hitter coming in. And it's there by Lutchford. Barnes, absolutely superb. But what a good piece of crossing by Keegan here. And they've got in a bit of a muddle there, the Irish. Between Pat Jennings and the post, just going off Pat's hand. And within a minute of the start of the second half, England have given themselves some breathing space. Jack? That was one of the best crosses I've ever seen. 
because the ball was going away from Kevin. But Bob Latsfateta went exactly where Pat Jennings didn't want it to go, which was down at his feet and in by the near post. You mentioned before about uh, he was the leading goal scorer over a certain period of time in English football. Being a striker, an English striker in the mid to late 70s, there was a lot of competition at international level. We'll go on to his England career. Uh, Frank Worthington, Shannon, Keegan, Trevor Francis, Joe Royal, Woodcock, MacDonald yeah. you mentioned, David Johnson. When you look at the all-time list of England goal scorers, the 70s strikers are well down. It's Shannon and Keegan on 21 each. And I think that just sums up how tough the competition was. Yeah, it was. I think Bob got a, Bob got a cap. I think it was probably too, relatively too late in his career. It'd be, what, 26, 27, yeah. I think, yeah. when he got capped. And I think you are, but a lot of those players you're talking about, they're the late 70s players. And in the mid 70s, I think there was, I think he should have got capped then. I think he certainly scored enough goals at Birmingham and yeah. Everton by, so by the time of 75, 76. When you think about then, the home international championships when they played, all the four home countries played each other at the end of the season, tended to be games after a long time in season where some players who maybe yeah. would yeah. not normally go get a cap, would get a cap. Yeah. And I think Bob certainly was worthy of a cap probably as early as 75, 76. And I think that would have been beneficial for two reasons. The first thing is we spoke about his confidence. And I think, I think he said after he was capped that he wished he'd been capped early because he felt as an England international it gave him yeah. Yeah. more more self-esteem and more yeah. confidence and I think also I mentioned he had the dispute with Bingham and, and that was over money and I think he would have got better terms as an England international yeah. than, than, than a, you know just as an Everton player so yeah he, he got capped eventually in 77 but I think his international career and club career could have been significantly different if he'd got a couple of caps five when he was just here. Five goals and was it? Five goals and No, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah. taking immense pride uh, in him finally scoring for England. So finally, he played against Italy in a World Cup qualifier and Italy were like a really, really good side yeah. at the time. Yeah. So, you know, didn't score in that one, but, you know, played really well. And you talk about the home international championships. His first England goal was against Wales from across from the left by Peter Barnes and it was and it was a near post header it was like you know sort of a really good goal and then you know kicked on a little bit I think he got one against the Republic of Ireland he got one away at Denmark in a European Championship qualifier so you know he did two against Northern Ireland you know so he, he scored in the World Cup qualifier rather than the home international championships he scored goals because like I said the confidence you know so he believed that he belonged in that you know that you know, sort of mm-hmm. level of football and he had people like Kevin Keegan describing him as one of his favourite yeah. partners so yeah you know maybe if he had to play for England earlier but I mean Don Revy you know was uh, a law unto himself wasn't he as England manager you know? <laughs> Absolutely. yeah Absolutely. but he said, I think it would have been beneficial I think he was certainly deserving of a cap around 1975-76 definitely well after Swansea he played in Holland with Nat Breda came back and played for Coventry Lincoln Newport County, where he played alongside Leighton James and Tony Pulis, amongst others, <laughs> and then won the Welsh Cup with Merthyr Tydfil. But it's as Everton that will always be remembered. It is, yeah, because it gave us something to be proud of at a time when we didn't have a great deal to cling on to. The other show with everything going, you know, European Cups and leagues and, you know, you name it. And, you know, we were... Unfortunately, on a couple of occasions, I've mentioned the League Cup final trilogy in 77 and the semi-finals of that year in 1980, but we never quite you know, sort of looked like winning anything. So we had to take our pride and our solace in individual performances, and Latchford was a guarantee of goals. You know, he would always score goals. And actually, when he scored that 30th league goal against uh, Chelsea, because nobody had done it for so long, like it was like six seasons and somebody had done it, 
it gave us something to be proud of and it was why there were such like ridiculous celebrations you know play, players go to the 30th league it was a pitch invasion people digging up <laughs> chunks of Goodison Park to take home with them but it was it was because you know it was something to be proud of an era when there wasn't a great deal else which is why we love Bob so much I mean Happily, I was you know so old enough to have been part of all the 1980s team, mm-hmm. and you know so comfortably the best football I've ever seen. You know, so I, that means so much to me that team. But even though you know, so they are so much cherished idols. Don't think any of them ever will quite top my my love for Bob Latchford. You know, he's yeah. my hero. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think also that it was 50 years from Dixie Dean, wasn't it? Yeah, 1928 to 78. That gave it that extra yeah. little bit of uh, well, extra, the, the 30 I just goals. Throw in the date because of the 29th of April uh, was the day he scored, which is a really significant day in the Everson, you know, so history books because it was also the date of the FA Cup final in 1933, when a number nine was worn on the back of an Everson shirt for the first time. Obviously, you know, 50 odd years later, it was the uh, you know sort of game against Chelsea, and there's a lovely postscript to that game because uh, Dixie was at that match and uh, he'd had his leg amputated by then so he was getting pushed around in a wheelchair and he was getting brought down in the lift at Goodison and Latchford was still in the uh, reception area at Goodison you know, getting his back slapped and you know, sort of shaking hands with people and Dixie comes out of the, uh, out of the lift sees him and he goes oh Bob, Bob, congratulations and Bob straight over oh thanks Dixie, thanks so much 30 goals son, hey that means you're half as good as me <laughs> <laughs> and Bob relates that story he'd have loved it wouldn't he he'd have yeah. loved it wouldn't he uh, Bob Latchford an absolute Everton legend he didn't end up with much of the 10 grand he won in 1978 after he'd uh, seen his friends okay and the taxman had had his 192 quid I think he calculated because of the 10 grand 5 grand <laughs> went straight into the PFA players pot so he had 5 grand then to himself which he then uh, distributed amongst all the players because they'd helped him get the, you know, the goals and he was also total Bob so uh, you know he didn't like whiskey so whenever he scored you know so the goals had got bottles of whiskey he used to yeah. ditch them out amongst the players <laughs> But yeah, he uh, decided to divvy up the money amongst all his teammates and uh, £192 he reckoned he got. And then three or four years later, the taxman was chasing him for the course of the 10 grand. <laughs> right. And he had to explain you know, so why you know, so he didn't get all that money. <laughs> it's a lovely story, he's a lovely man and the Evertonians of that era were quite right. Bobby Latchford did in fact walk on water. And a free kick for Everton. McNaught came in and Latchford! Everton supporters celebrate and Bob Latchford who saved them in the second match came in here as McNaught number five won the header and Latchford stole in to give Everton the lead in the 38th minute.